gotta call somebody. Four out of five top Hollywood movie stars use moment, moment, moment of clarity. What's happening, everybody? It's your man, Stefan G. And you are tuned in to another eclectic episode of Moment of Clarity right here on the Promise Life Network. And man, oh, man. <sighs> and, and you know what? It's not even that kind of day. It's just that kind of moment right now, you know? I, and I watched the the Democratic debate the, last night, and ugh, ugh, ugh. I don't want to vote anymore. <laughs> Why? Because nobody, I, there's not been any time, even when Obama was running, there's not been any time where I felt like anybody truly stood for who I am. You know what I mean? Yeah, they've got bits and pieces from here and there and so on and so forth. But there's nobody that's come out that's had the diverse mix of who I am as a person who's running for elected office. And so I always, in my vote, have to compromise some portion of my belief system or you know, something like that. And what is your belief system? Uh, it's too complicated. A long, it's a long list. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I believe in capitalism, but I believe it's based on greed. You know, it, it's a whole lot of gray areas. You know, I believe in. I believe that homosexuality is wrong. However, I could care less if they get married. Um, and so, it, like I said, it's just a whole. No, I haven't found anybody that fits fits that mix. You know, I believe that education should be free. However, I believe that there should be a value added by the student. So it's not just given to them, but it doesn't cost them. It doesn't riddle them with debt, basically. So it would either be reducing the cost of education so that it is affordable or providing free or providing free education and then providing some opportunity for that student to add value to the campus. The problem with that is once you give free education, to everybody, tuition costs are going to skyrocket because as with anything, just like in healthcare, when somebody else is paying for it and you don't have to look at it, they're going to charge as much as they can possibly get away with. You know, when the government starts paying for your books, your books are going to go from $3,000 for a semester to $8,000 for a semester. Yeah, exactly. You um, know? you know, it's funny though. I, I was talking to someone last night, actually watching the debate and they said in Germany, for instance, they have free college tuition, uh-huh. but it's extremely, it's a lot harder to get into the college right. than in the U.S. Oh, yeah, because now, and now I was actually talking to a friend of mine about that last night, too. We were talking about the whole free education thing. Actually, no, we were talking about the equal pay for equal, equal pay for women thing. And then we were saying, and I was telling him how you can't, you're never going to be able to get that instituted because- there's no way to monitor it. Exactly. You know? There's no way to determine who has to absolutely get paid the same. And we used the education background as an example. You know, if I went to University of Phoenix and you went to Harvard, then your education holds more clout than mine. You know? And so 
you're more likely to get paid more when you go to University of Harvard than it is if you go to University of Phoenix, even though you get the exact same piece of paper out of both of them. But I'm using that to say that going to college in America now, like at the University of Phoenix, all you have to do is sign up. That's it. There's no requirement. You know, all you have to do is sign up and agree to go into debt and you're in. So, like I said, nobody meets the mix of diverse beliefs that I have. And I'd be honest with you, I think there's more people out there like me than not that believe a little bit of everything, you know? So, I don't know. That's what makes me such a terrible Christian. And... <laughs> on makes that, you a terrible Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a horrible Christian. Are you kidding me? I'm Well, actually, I'm kind of the ideal Christian, but in the way that people think about what Christianity is supposed to be, I I don't meet that standard at all. I completely, completely fall flat on my face. I don't even come close to meeting that standard because I am a Christian that understands what Christianity is. And in my belief set, Christianity is the maturation of life to a place of perfection, not the instant perfection of my life. Um, the pursuit of the goal, as Paul said. Exactly. And, and I believe, unlike most Christians, I take that process for what it is, and I kind of envelop myself in that process. You know what I mean? So as I'm going after the goal, I understand that I'm going to have moments of falter and moments of weakness and moments of this and moments of that. And instead of completely trying to avoid them altogether, I embrace them. And I embrace the humanity aspect of my Christianity because that's what, for me, allows me to see the love that Christ has for me. If I'm not human, if I'm not, you know, sinful, if I don't fall, if I don't make mistakes, if I don't screw it up every once in a while, if I don't curse every once in a while, if I don't get angry on the road every once in a while, if I don't, you know, hate my job every once in a while, then I'm not fully engulfing my humanity, you know? And I think there's too many people who have, who have put on a facade of, no, I just love everything about life. No, you don't. It's not realistic. You can't. You know what I mean? We all, when, when I ask people how they are, I wrote a blog post about it. How long ago? A while ago. A long, long time ago. If you go on my website, thestephong.com, um, and go click on blogs, you'll see a blog called Tell Me the Truth or something like that. Let's see what it's called. Hold on. It is called, yeah, it's called Tell Me the Truth, February 21st, 2014. And basically in that blog post, I talked about being honest as a Christian. And I don't think enough of us are honest as Christians. You know, when I ask you, how was your day? And everybody's like, oh, it was great. No, it wasn't. You had a crappy day. You know, now sometimes, yeah, you had a great day. But sometimes you had a crappy day and you just don't say it. You know, or ask you, how are you? And instead of telling me, well, you know, my my family's fighting right now. My stepdad's mad at my mom or, you know, my two cousins are doing whatever. And my uncle just got, you know, thrown in jail and my cousin can't afford a new car. And my, my baby sister's a slut. And, you know, all of, instead of being honest about what's going on in your life, you just tell me you're fine and everything's great and everything's wonderful because you're embarrassed about what's really going on in your life. And for me, I try to be a 
I try to embrace that aspect of my Christianity a little bit more. You know, I try to embrace the aspect of if somebody asks you how I am, if somebody really asks me how am I now, if some just random dude on the streets like, how are you? I might not tell him, you know, well, I'm having problems with masturbation right now, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> that's the one you had to pick. Well, because that's the one that's the most disgusting and embarrassing <laughs> to some stranger on the side of the road who just happened to open the door for me. Um, <laughs> but. If now, somebody, you will, if you are doing good, you'll say good, right? Yeah, if I'm doing good, I'll say good. But if everything's not good, then I want, I, because now you're missing an opportunity for me to try to help, for me to pray, for me to all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of things I can do if you're just honest with me about it. And I think not enough of us embrace the humanity aspect of our Christianity, the aspect that everything's not roses. When you became a Christian, it didn't change everything in your life. Everything didn't get better. You know, you're still struggling. You're still hurting. There's still parts of you that you haven't overcome. There's still sins that you haven't gotten rid of. There's still pieces of your brain that you still want to correct. You know what I mean? Parts of your heart that still need healing, all that stuff. We we try to push all that to the side like it doesn't exist. And it does. And we need to talk about it. And we need to feel it. And we need to talk it out. And we need to embrace each other and we need to enjoy that aspect of humanity because being angry is a part of being human. Sometimes you can enjoy being angry. You know what I mean? Because it's the same level of, you know, it's the same level of emotion as being happy. You know, it's part of the experience of humanity. And so instead of trying to avoid all the negative emotions and trying to avoid all the negative feelings and all the negative aspects and trying to act like they don't exist, Sometimes it's just better to just be real about it, you know? Like the kids say, be 100. <laughs> what? You got to be 100. Oh, that's what the kids say, huh? Come on, Mike. You're not 100? No. <laughs> I'm not but, sure what that means, but no. Actually, I can make a guess. But yeah, you have to, you know. Is that really something the kids are saying now? Oh, yeah. Well, not now. They've been saying it for years. But yeah, you got to be 100. It's 100 percent. Well, I think reality. But yeah, you got to be 100. But I think we too often try so hard to avoid the negativity in our lives. And we're not even I don't even want to necessarily call it negativity. Avoid the things that don't make us feel happy. The things that don't bring us joy and happiness and love and, you know, cuddly feelings, you know, panda bear feelings in our lives. We try to avoid them. And I think that's a terrible thing to do because that's part of being a human. The being able to express hurt and anger and anguish and and disappointment and despair and all the other adjectives that go along with it. That's part of being a human being and that's part of being a Christian more than anything else because it's in those moments that you experience Christ more than you experience him anywhere else, you know? It's in the moments that you're trying so hard to avoid and act like they don't exist that you can experience the love of other Christians around you like never before. It's in those moments when somebody says, hey, how, how are you? How have you been? I haven't talked to you in a long time. And you say, well, you haven't talked to me in a long time because I lost my job and I had to move in with my mom and she and I are fighting right now because, you know, that doesn't work ever. And it's been very depressing for me and I've tried not to be around people because I just don't know how to handle that. That's a moment. That is a moment of 
opportunity and a moment of Christ. You know what I mean? That's a moment that Christ can well, I was gonna really say, come in. I agree with you. It actually goes deeper than helping each other out as human beings. It's missing the opportunity to have Christ help you out. Yes. And I think about the people in the Bible who really needed help. It was the people in the Bible who called out to Christ for mercy, for help, Thank for you. healing that Jesus talked to first and helped exactly. first. Exactly. Those were the people that he ran to. Exactly. You know, those are the people that he shoved the disciples aside and said, no, get the kid and bring the kid over here. Like, why are you right. telling the kid that he can't come see me? Bring the kid over here. Let him sit on my lap, you know? And we try to avoid that so desperately, so desperately as Christians. And we try to, like I said, it's the mask. We put on the mask. We put on the facade. And we're always blessed and we're always highly favored when we haven't felt blessed in 20 years. You know what I mean? When we're still waiting on God and our blessing's still right around the corner and we're going through our daily grind and we're getting, you know, we're doing the, like Joyce Meyer used to say, we're getting up in the morning and we're, you know, getting up in the morning and we're cooking breakfast and we're getting the kids ready for school and, you know, we're getting them out the door and then we're going to work and we're being at work all day and then we have an hour to sit down and eat a freaking sandwich And then after we take our hour to eat a sandwich and some chips, we're back at work and we're dealing with people and we're not necessarily happy about it all the time. And then we got to go home and we got to pick up the kids and we got to get the kids home and we got to help them with their homework. And then after we help them with the homework, we got to cook dinner. And then when after we cook dinner, we got to, you know what I mean? And then we take me never want to have kids. (laughs) Then we take tired hearing you talk about (laughs) exactly. And then we take 10 minutes to watch the voice or something like that, you know, and it's going to bed and, you know, we pray a little bit, read our Bible and hit the sack just to get up in the morning and do it all over again. And you don't enjoy it. Yeah, there's parts of it that you enjoy, but the overall aspect of your daily existence is something that you are not happy or proud of. And I believe it's in that moment, in that honesty, in that moment of truth where you can really admit to yourself first, because that's the person you have to admit it to you first, is yourself, and then admit to Christ, like, listen, dude, this I, I don't know if this is for me. Like, you're either, either I need you to come in and teach me how to manage this better, or I need you to help me position myself to be in another place because this just isn't working for me. And that's when you get to have that opportunity to really have that communication with Christ and really have that engagement like you would have with a mental health counselor somewhere. You know what I mean? Oh, Te- yeah. Telling those things that nobody would ever say just to their homeboy or their best friend or whatever. Well, women might do it because they talk way better than we do as men. But those things that we keep to ourselves and then we try to cover up keeping it to ourselves by saying things like, oh, you don't need to let everybody in your business all the time and people shouldn't be involved in your relationship. And, you know, and you get all this attitude all over social media where nobody wants anybody to know anything about what's going on in their lives unless it's absolutely glorious, you know, and we're missing out. We're so missing out. Now, let me I, ask you something. This might have to wait till the next segment. So this can be a tease, as right. we call it. I'm in. Um, but. What do you think is the reason why people hide it? Why people are not real? What is the reason behind that? What is in them that makes them not want to be real? Well, I can tell you, and you can hit the music because that is a good tease. I can tell you there's a couple of reasons I believe that people hide it. I believe I can think of two off the top of my head, and there's probably three or four total. 
that people hide it and they don't admit it. And not only are they hiding it to everybody else, but they're hiding it to themselves too. And I definitely know why you hide it to yourself. So moment of clarity, my name's Stefan G. When we come back, we'll talk more about this topic, which wasn't even really the topic for today's show, now that I think about it. But we'll talk more about this topic and I'll tell you why I think people hide those things so much. Moment of clarity, Stefan G, back in a bit. Moment of clarity, Stefan G. Uh, and we're talking about authenticity is what we're really talking about. Um, authenticity in Christ. And Mike asked a question before we went to break. Mike, say your question again. Well, you had yeah, you were talking about why people are not real authentic when it comes to their lives. They'll say things like, oh, I'm good. I'm always blessed. I'm always happy. And that's not true. Right. And the question I had is why? What is their reason for not being real with themselves, with other people, and with Christ? Well, and I've got the answer for you, or my what I perceive my answer. Well, not what I perceive my answer is, but what my answer actually is. <laughs> but and it's twofold. I believe there is one answer that's surface and one answer that's deeper. And it's like a friend of mine always says, there's a truth and then there's what's truer. And I believe we've got the truth and what's truer. So first I'll say what the truth is. I believe the main reason people hide it from other people is because they're embarrassed. Because, and I think, I don't want to blame it on social media because it's always been like this. People have always been trying to keep up with the Joneses. You know, there's a level of perception of what is supposed to be in American society. There's a level of perception of what you're supposed to have by a certain age, what you're supposed to have done by a certain age, what you're supposed to have accomplished in your life. You know what I'm saying? And so when you don't meet that standard, you're embarrassed. I mean, plain and simple, you're embarrassed. And you don't want others to know that you have not met the standard or the perception that society has placed on all of us. And Little do you know, they haven't met the standard either, but they're not telling you that they haven't met the standard and you're not telling them that you haven't met the standard because everybody has to keep this persona out there that everything's doing great. Right. And if you're not keeping that persona out there, then you're subject to ridicule or you're subject to having the spotlight on you or you're subject to people feeling sorry for you and people don't like for people to feel sorry for them. I don't know why, but for some reason they don't like that. I if you feel well, sorry for them, makes them seem weak. They don't like. Well, to be yeah, weak. that's true. Um, but I think that's that answer. Now, what's truer than that is that I believe the reason people truly hide it is because they don't want to face themselves. They don't want to look in the mirror and be honest about who they truly are, because when they do that. They have to accept responsibility for not only who they are, but everything that they've done. And that, I believe, is the hardest aspect of all of that. Well, the Bible says people do not come into the light for fear of their sins being exposed. Exactly. And so when you have to truly look in that mirror and say, I am a 42-year-old man. I'm not 42. I'm not talking about myself. Okay. Just so you know. 
Not nothing against people who are 42. I'm just not 42 yet. <laughs> but when you have to truly look in the mirror and say, I'm a 42 year old man in a dead end job with no nothing to my name, nothing that I own and no prospects of anything getting any better than what it is right now. That's a hard thing to do. You know what I mean? To look in the mirror and say, I have anger issues that need to be dealt with and it affects every person that I come in contact with and every relationship I have, whether it's romantic friendship or work related, that's hard to do to look in the mirror and say, I'm codependent and everybody that I come in contact with, I latch onto them and demand that they help me in my life in some way, shape or fashion. That's hard to do to look in the mirror and say, I am a people pleaser. And everything I do throughout my entire life is all about making somebody else happy, regardless of whether it is something they want or something that truly benefits them, because I get my satisfaction out of the accolade that I receive from making somebody else happy. And if I'm not making somebody else happy, then I don't feel like a a decent person. I'm worthless. That's hard to do. And people would rather put up the facade that says, I'm not a people pleaser, I'm just a giver. I'm just very giving and I love to do for other people. And it's funny because even in the people pleasing, there's an aspect of that. Yes, you are a giver, that's how God built you. However, because of whatever happened to you in childhood and whatever happened to you in high school and whatever happened to you on your first job and whatever happened to you in your marriage and whatever happened to you with your third girlfriend, because of all of those things that happened in your life, that giver has twisted. And now you're not as so much a giver as you are a people pleaser. Somebody who receives your self-worth from how other people view you. When you were created, God created you as a giver, but the enemy used his abilities in the earthly realm to twist that aspect of you and turn you into a people pleaser. Just like the person who is a perfectionist is not really a perfectionist. They have low self-esteem. They see themselves as not worthy enough, so everything they do must be perfect or nobody will accept them. It's not that they just pay attention to detail. Yes, that's an attribute that God gave them when they first were created, that they pay great attention to detail and they they are very particular in the things that they do. That's an attribute that God gave them. But as their life went along and people started telling them what they were doing wasn't good enough, and people started telling them how they did it wasn't good enough. And, pe- and then they started to fail in certain areas because we all fail as people in certain areas of our lives throughout the course of our lives. That thing began to get twisted by the enemy and the enemy kept telling that person, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, nobody likes you, nobody likes what you're gonna do. If you're gonna do anything, it has to be absolutely perfect or nobody will accept you. Nobody will accept you if it's not perfect. And so now they move from a person who has a great attention to detail to a perfectionist and that perfectionist is the one they don't want to look in the mirror because if they look at the perfectionist in the mirror, now they have to look at all the baggage that comes along with that perfectionist. And now they have to look at themselves and say, why do I do the things that I do? And they have to discover themselves and then they have to make a dedication to change themselves because for instance, I was, I, I've, been married before, right? I went, I had, I was married and I went through a divorce. It was heart wrenching. It drove me absolutely crazy. In my marriage, my ex-wife used to tell me all the time, 
I'm just an, I used, well, no, I take that back. I used to tell her, you're really being an asshole. (laughs) And she used to tell me, that's just the way I am. You're going to have to deal with it, right? And she had convinced herself that that was a part of her personality, that that was just who she was as a person. Instead of looking in the mirror and saying, wow, I'm really an asshole and I need to stop being one. Because once you look in the mirror and say that to yourself, now you're responsible for every time you're a prick to somebody. Now you have to you hold responsibility for that because you've now admitted it. You've now taken the step to say, my name is Stefan and I'm an alcoholic. You know, now once I say that, I'm responsible for every drink that passes through my hand. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to look in that mirror. We don't want to take the time to discover our flaws, because when we discover our flaws, Number one, we then can't see ourselves as great and wonderful and fantastic, which is a blow to our our hearts already. And then on top of that, we become responsible for those flaws and we can no longer push them aside as somebody else's fault. It's not they made you angry. You got anger problems, man, (laughs) you know. And so when we accept those things, we it makes even though the discovery of those things is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful process, but it's a painful process. And so because we don't want to go through the pain, because we are human beings and we are pain-avoiding creatures, we are built to try to avoid pain at all costs, whether it be physical pain or emotional pain. We are pain-avoiding creatures. And so because we don't want to go through the pain, we won't admit that there's a problem. And so we'll put up the facade that says everything's great. Everything's good. It's everybody else. And then we'll create this society that says, keep everybody out of your business. If somebody's not for you, they're against you. If you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. We'll create a society that puts all of these little pieces in people's heads that says, this is how it's supposed to be. This is how it's supposed to be. And it's really just the enemy, you know, coming to us and giving, dropping these little seeds, you know, little, little foxes all over the place that says this is how it's supposed to be this is how it's supposed to be if if they if somebody doesn't like the way you do something then they don't matter in your life anymore just completely get rid of them if they are against the way you do something get them completely out of your life cuz you don't need that kind of negativity in your life all you need is positive forces and positive energy in your universe so create this board that has this, you know, positive energy force all around it and everything good that you want in life and pay no attention to the bad. Only focus on the good. And he drops these little seeds and we develop this society that says, if it's not good for me, I'm getting rid of it. If it's not exactly what I want, I don't want any part of it. If it's not helping me in the way that I think I should be helped, I'm done with it. Instead of You know, I've heard people like we had the show about people and how they raise their kids. You can't tell me how to raise my kids. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. And so can other people. And so because when we have these collective conversations about what is right and reasonable, then we have a productive society. But now we have a separatist society where everybody is in their own bubble because that's where they feel the most satisfied. And so in order for us to pull ourselves out of that bubble, we have to be able to look in that mirror and get rid of that mask and be able to say to ourselves, I can't say that. Be able to say to ourselves, your farts do stink. (laughs) I was going to say the other one, but I'm trying to be a better person. (laughs) 
we have to be able to say to ourselves, your farts do stink. You know, you do have issues. You do have problems and you are responsible for those problems. You know, when I was going through my divorce, I had to do that with myself because when I first got divorced, it was all my wife's fault and it's still all my ex-wife's fault just for the record. But I had to take a moment. Oh, it's completely her fault. But I had to take a moment to see that, yeah, I played a part in this, too, because even though she came to the marriage with a lot of preconceived expectations, a lot of baggage and a lot of anger from previous relationships with romantic interests and her father and all kinds of other stuff, I did not take the time, number one, to recognize all of that before I got married or number two, to nurture that part because I got sick of it. I ain't gonna lie. I was like, I'm tired. I can't take it anymore. But I didn't take the time to uphold my vow that said sickness or health, good or poor, death do us part. And I was like, you need to fix yourself or I'm getting out of here. And she was like, then get the hell out. And I was like, well, that's not how it was supposed to go. <laughs> but I didn't take the time to really nurture that thing and and be there in those moments. Because I was also trying to fix myself. So, you know, you get two broken people together. Ugh. Trust me. Y'all need to wait, okay? Just a PSA. If you're thinking about getting married, make sure you go to counseling. Make sure everybody has looked in the mirror to see what that they fart stink. Because if not, I'm telling you, it's going to be some smelly afternoons. <laughs> but I think, I think more of us, you know, need to... Just make that declaration. You know what I mean? My name is Stefan, and for years, I've suffered with low self-esteem. I mean, years. I grew up with a father that wasn't there. I grew up with a stepfather that hated and abused me. I grew up with a mother who abandoned me. I grew up with people who saw my talent and used me for it to make themselves look good. And I had no clue who or what I was up until probably up until I got divorced because I lived my entire life trying to prove to other people that I was worthy. I lived my entire life trying to prove to other people that I could do it. And I lived my entire life trying to prove to other people that I was worth something, that it was worth them being around me. It was worth them being around me and it was worth them being my friend and it was worth them experiencing life with me and this is real I'm being transparent I'm being completely honest horrible self-esteem horrible self-esteem and I latched myself to women and had sex with all of them because that's how I found my self-worth I said if I can make you have an orgasm then I must be worth something I must be somebody and I hung my hat on that attribute for a very long time and then I got married and I had to be faithful. And that kind of ruined that whole thing because <laughs> I couldn't have sex with everybody anymore. <laughs> and then I tried to find my self-worth in my wife who was ill-equipped to show me who I was as a person, you know, who, was, who had no, she did not have the tools, the patience, the time, the ability to do that for me. And it led to our divorce, that and a whole lot of other stuff. But it contributed to that aspect. And then, only place else I could go was Christ. And I finally looked to him to tell me who I was. And I'm still looking to him every single day. 
because every single day I still deal with the fact that whatever I do today might not be enough, might not be good enough, might not be worthy enough for anybody else to care. And every day I have to remind myself the person that I want to care more than anybody else is Jesus Christ, the savior of the universe. Every single day. This is not a metaphor. This is not a speech. This is real deal. I do this every single day. I have to wake up and remind myself that Jesus does love me and I am worth something. And he did die on the cross for me for a reason, not just because he was supposed to do, but because he cared about me. And I'm just saying this to tell you guys, do the same. Look at yourself and find what your mask is and admit to it and take it to the cross and allow God to show you the beauty of the experience that is growing and maturing in him and leaving that mask behind. Because that is the beauty of being a human. That is the greatest part of being a Christian. That's where the blessing is. It's not in the prosperity gospel. It's not in how many people listen to this radio show. It's not in any of that. The beauty of being with Christ is those moments where he takes what the enemy meant for our harm and our detriment and turns it into our attributes. The beauty of being with Christ is when he takes those pieces of us that are broken and he heals them and shows us how we were always meant to be and who we were always meant to be. And I'm telling you, that's the best part of Christianity. And that's the part of Christianity that I want all of you to experience for the rest of your lives. Because there's enough of it in there for you to experience it for the rest of your lives. Moment of Clarity, Stefan G. Catch you guys next week.